podcasting played nobody speed round week three wrap-up edition we're going to start with the s&p plus bill uh your top 20 is done it's fresh out of the oven it smells a little bit like apples and cinnamon um is that what michigan smells like number 20 wisconsin oh we're going okay okay so number 20 wisconsin number, number 20 wisconsin um yeah. Hanging in there at twenty, huh? Interesting. Yeah, they actually because you see, this is the weird little concoction where the, the it's like fifty fifty now. A little more than fifty percent is still preseason projections because still after three weeks you can't do hardly anything with uh, opponent adjustments. So okay. it's still, mo- it's still a, a large portion. And so by this point, you figured out like there are two or three teams that S and P's just massively missed on in the projections. And so you get to watch them kind of slowly trickle out, or in Wisconsin's case, trickle up. They did nothing to warrant going up nine spots yesterday. Uh, against Georgia State, but because of what they did against LSU in the first week uh, and the fact that LSU actually looked pretty good yesterday for the most part. Um, now, so now they actually rose to 20th because that's you know because of other things. So, yeah, they're 20 now. <clears throat> Bad day for the Badgers, but they're still undefeated. It's, um, well, the Big Ten West is going to be a theme. We'll keep going. Good Number- defense, good special teams. Um, I'm much less sure about their offense now, yeah. Number 19, Texas A&M. Um, uh, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say it real fast. It wasn't the Anxiety Bowl. Next week is going to be the Anxiety Bowl for <laughs> sure. I promise this time it's going to be LSU and Auburn. And Auburn, yeah. Um, the Aggies uh, did it ugly. I think I'm ready to say they have a defense. Yes. I know Auburn is anemic, but I don't know if those things are mutually exclusive. I think Texas A&M can have a defense, and Auburn can also be that bad on offense. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not completely, I'm not completely down on Auburn's de- on Auburn's offense, but yes, I think um, you I, I think were at a football pretty- game and didn't see the third string quarterback run out of bounds on fourth down. No, I actually have not gotten that far on the DVR yet. So uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Uh, number 18, a game that I think escaped probably both of us. UCLA moves up. Um, I actually caught a good portion of this one because it was on when I got home last night. Nice. So Fill me four. in. Um, I like UCLA. Well, okay, I, I think I just like UCLA. I was going to say offense. Offense looked good, and then it didn't. Defense looked uh, good, and then it really didn't, but they won. They won at BYU. I think BYU is pretty good, too, um, and they survived. They went up, what, 17 nothing, I believe, and, and held on. So good, bully for them. BYU, by the way, is shaping into that program that's that's definitely going to be outside of any type of playoff conversation. They have a hell of a schedule, but they're going to be a pain in Provo. That yeah. has been that has been consistent. It's kind of hard to that, actually. We've got that hard hitting BYU thing. The offense hasn't really clicked, uh, which is a shame because I mean it's Taysom Hill's last year. But you got a first time college offensive coordinator, some kid, some dude named Detmer, um, and so there was always a possibility of a, of a little bit of a slow. Uh, slow offense this year, and it's kind of a shame, but that seems to be their their biggest issue right now. Number yeah. s- number seventeen. Now, okay, spoiler alert: Nebraska not in the top twenty, but Oregon is. I have no quarrel with that at the moment. I'm just going to go ahead. We should probably save it for this week's show. It's going to be a topic for a while. Oregon went for two a lot, yeah, for years, and yeah. a lot. It it served them very well for a very long time in a lot of key situations. It absolutely, without a doubt, inarguably bit them in the ass at Nebraska this weekend. Um, however, that doesn't negate years and years and years of progressive football thought. Right. No, and I mean, 
you you know you roll it you flip a coin enough it's going to land on heads like at some point it's going to land on heads a bunch of times in a row and so like if that's part of your identity it's part of your identity maybe it wins them game maybe it helped to win games or set a tone in the past and maybe it, it had the exact opposite yesterday i did this was a pretty crazy one in the box score in my box score the, uh, nebraska had a win expectancy of this game you know which is the these stats say this uh, like you, you would have won this game 18% of the time based on the stats. 18% is what Nebraska had a chance of winning this game, but they did it. Um, and, and, you know, power to them. Tommy Armstrong, 200 yards, three touchdowns. You know what? Uh, yeah, it was a little, a little over five yards per pass, but, you know, he, he did. He got the yards he needed to, made a couple big plays on passing downs. He's <laughs> resembling the workmanlike charm of his head coach, and I'm totally okay with an undefeated Nebraska right now. It's yeah, gonna, we're going to waste a hell of a running game, by the way. Um, I talked to someone in the Big Ten uh, early this morning. Uh, if you don't think the entire conference and that network and that entire group of media isn't pulling for Nebraska to win the West and create some sort of name recognition in that division, you're kidding yourself. Well, Number yeah, I mean, I'm six. Sure that North Dakota State's going to win the West, but anyway. <laughs> Number sixteen. All right, now we're, we're faced with the first quandary of this of this rundown. It's the first time we've ever done this, Bill. Yes. Uh, let's just table it. It's it's USC, and we'll get there in a second because. Yeah. The winner of that game, Stanford, is further up the road. How about that? Number 15, Miami. Um, sometimes we like to have a lot of fun with weird scheduling oddities and quirks. Um, we've, we can do the serious hat and explain why Miami goes to a place like Boone, North Carolina. Or we can just laugh at it and just enjoy the cultural disparity. And we did both. But this was not a football game. I actually listened to part of this as I was running around starting my Saturday on the radio, uh, on the TuneIn app. Uh, they don't sponsor us, so I don't know why. I just name-checked them. But I was listening to the... Appalachian State feed, and as Miami started their first drive, they said, you know what? We've got a great coaching staff. We feel confident in their ability to scheme. The one thing that we cannot help is Miami's pure athleticism. So if they get into open space, there's nothing we can do. Literally five seconds later, touchdown Miami. And that was sort of – that was basically the microcosm for the day, and I think most of us who weren't actually there just kind of moved on from it. Yeah, I I actually kind of thought I'd be spending most of my – that 11 o'clock hour, uh, look, watching Louisville and Appalachian State, those two games. I did not. Uh, I did have to check back in with Appalachian State after a while because they did, uh, what was it? They cut it to something like 24-10, I think, and kind of had, looked like they had a little bit of momentum going on. But by all means, Miami said, oh, you, you think you're in this game? And then just smacked them around some more. So that was, they they have attitude and they are figuring out how to use their athleticism. The, the Mark Richt as play caller thing it has not bitten them like I kind of thought it might. Um, this is, uh, Miami traded up. Uh, they, they did a really, uh, nice, uh, trade in the, in the off season and it's paying off. It's really hard right now. I mean, as you're seeing with these numbers, it's really hard to make big moves yet because the projections are still kind of leaning on everything. They moved up from 33rd to 18th with the way they just played. Transitive property, terrible thing to use, but man, it sure does feel like Miami could beat Florida state right now. That's because there's a, there's a smoking crater we're going to get to in a second. Well, yeah. And, and by the way, the team that we're about to talk to as well, uh, about as well, Tennessee, uh, Miami looked a little better against Appalachian than they did anyway 14 number 14 your actually no one's baylor bears um forgettable friday night game they took care of business against the uh hapless uh talent deficient rice team uh we still don't know it's and i think that's okay to say they have they've got very high havoc rates right now they're being very aggressive on offense or on defense and it works uh when you're playing rice but we'll see um well i mean we'll see something we don't even know what the big 12 has at this point so unsolicited text i received on early saturday morning unsolicited text i received from someone who works 
with several Big 12 schools told me this is the absolute last thing the conference wants. Oh, God. Oh, now, that God. Was, and that was before Texas lost late Saturday night. Uh, oh, you've got the, their doors blown off, yeah. The absolute last thing that, that the Big 12 wants is to have to rally around Baylor as any kind of a contender for anything this year. Number 13, Bill. <sighs> the Tennessee Volunteers. No team in the country takes – like, they show you, okay, we know what we have to do here. We're just not going to do it for three and a half quarters. Um, we're going to, you know, we, we secretly replaced our offensive line with, with uh, you know, some high school sophomores. Um, God, that was just so frustrating because you knew they were going to beat Ohio and they did the bare minimum again. And they I, almost, like I almost texted fumbles. you. I almost again. texted you because at one point they recovered four of their own fumbles in a row within yeah. about 10 minutes of game and time. They, Right, and they had headed into this week uh, having recovered 10 of 12 fumbles overall. Now, eventually, Ohio Ohio recovered one of its own, but I, I'm pulling it up here. This is uh, the craziest run of fumbles luck that I can possi- that I can remember right now. Like, like I've said before, like over time, you will average out to about 50%, and uh, sometimes a, a team will get up to about 65% in a given year, and then it'll come back down. Right now, let's see, right now in Tennessee games – First of all, Tennessee has fumbled 11 times in three games. That is a terrible strategy. Um, they have fumbled 11 times. They have lost one. And it was that one against Appalachian State early on. Opponents, meanwhile, have fumbled seven times and have lost five. They've recovered 15 of 18 fumbles. That's a good solid 83% that Tennessee has recovered. Uh, and if that turns, or no, when that turns, Tennessee better have a plan B. And, you know, what they've shown so far is they don't. They are the most frustrating team to watch. I have no allegiance to Tennessee whatsoever, and they just make me angry. Talk to a friend of mine um, that is inside the Tennessee program. I asked him what the problem was going into this game. He said, and these are my words, uh, identity vacuum. They did not have anyone other than Dobbs really standing up and standing out in terms of personalities because this is a team learning how to be elite, or at least as elite as as some of us thought they would be. And then they go and lose in, in a game against Ohio, Cam Sutton and Jalen Rees-Maben. This is all, all yeah. bad, all yeah. bad going into Florida. And we'll talk about it on Wednesday, but Florida-Tennessee is my – I mean, a game day is going there almost by like as a default mechanism, yeah. but I am freaking fascinated by this game. Let's move That's on. Gonna, I mean, Florida's, line is gonna, Florida's defensive line is just going to be a wheat thresher. Now, I mean, Tennessee, yeah, to date has had a very good uh, defense too. That's the reason they're 3-0, and that and the fumbles. But um, – Oh, it's going to be a bloody 12-7 to affair. Um, number 12, slowly becoming. Bill, I, I, I went into the, the multi-pronged viewing experience late Saturday evening and tried to consume five at once. It doesn't really work. But the, no, the, it, game, it the game I kept fixating on was supposed to be the boring offense. I love Stanford. I, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I definitely liked them before. I was there at the Rose Bowl last year. Uh, number 12, Stanford. We can go back and talk now. Uh, USC coming in on your rankings at 16. Some people probably might have an issue with that. But... Uh, the Cardinal is creeping. I want to say, is it next week that they start conference play? I believe so. Well, they kind of started it, yeah. Oh, oh my God. You know what? That that was absent-minded, but I'm just going to leave it in. How about that? I don't even, I don't even, like, I know I've made fun of the USC media hype before. I didn't even mean to be that mean. I'm just, I'm sorry. That was mean. But, yeah, so anyways, you know, eventually Stanford's going to start Pac-12 play. 
Um, yeah, no, they, they've, like you said, I think, I think it was midweek. You just, you said that we're, we're going to learn everything we need to learn about Stanford really soon because yes, after USC now, uh, next week they begin PAC 12 play at UCLA and then at Washington. Uh, and then they Washington state at home, which is probably not a problem, but then they go at Notre Dame, which might or might not have a defense, but, um, that's that's still that's three rugged road trips in the next four weeks. So yeah, we don't even need to really talk about Stanford because we're gonna know everything we need to know about Stanford. Christian but- in the shadow of, of a quarterback at Louisville, um, there's a running back named Christian McCaffrey who just had a pedestrian je- a, a really pedestrian day. Thirty carries, 165 yards on the ground, one touchdown. Stanford also had a, a really good receiver named Christian McCaffrey though. Uh, four receptions, 73 yards, and another touchdown. Kind of crazy that two guys by the same name. Who who was it? Um, Ain't it weird? Who had the two uh, – South Carolina had the two defensive tackles with the same name a while back. And crazy, now it's happening with Stanford. Um, um, all right, double jump here. Number 11, Ole Miss. Number 10, Florida State. We will get to those games in a second, my friend. Number 9, the Florida Gators. Rising quickly with the number one defense in the country. Jeff um, Collins going to get him a job, yeah, y'all. Yeah, it's, it's – well, and we knew this would be the case. I mean, they're 60, right now they're 62nd on offense and first in defense. That kind of fits right. Uh, they actually – I mean, the, 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 the offense seems to kind of know what it wants to do, um, and it's competent. And, and really, with the, with the way that defense is playing, it doesn't need to be a, a, a lick more than competent. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're playing uh, mean and aggressive, and they're just going to rip Tennessee's offensive line to shreds. If Tennessee gives up 10 points, the game's over. Number eight, probably going to be a controversy here on the yield internets, uh, because actually for SB Nation Selection Committee, they're my number two team in the playoff right now, Ye Louisville Cardinal. Uh, paradigm shift, really. Narrative, narrative reload. Uh, this was supposed to be the upper middle class of the ACC that we talked about all year, and now this team is hands down as talented as Clemson and definitely Florida yeah. State. Yeah, this I is, mean, this is reasons, a playoff contender now. The two reasons they're only at eighth right now. I mean, number one is they were projected, I think, in the low teens, if I remember right, like fit somewhere around 18 to 20, and so therefore that's still kind of weighing them down, and as soon as the if they continue what they're doing, as soon as the projections wear off, they're golden. They're up in the top three. The other thing weighing them down right now, though, is um, their special teams is kind of brutal. And like if you look at the the, the ratings there, they're, they're minus 1.4 points. It's really hard to get that low this early because I don't put hardly any weight in special teams. But if you take that away, they go from 20.7 overall uh, to 22.1, which is a, a, a decimal point behind o, uh, Ohio State. So they're fine. Uh, you know, it's this is a very this is set up very conservatively, but yeah, the fact that they've already risen to eighth is a very good sign. Um, I, you know, everybody, when you when you start trying to put framework and perspective around a breakout success, you it always seems to come at the expense of of the breakout reason, this anomaly, and so there's no reason to say anything other than Lamar Jackson is phenomenal. It's yeah, like it is amazing. 40. Four days ago, we were talking about, I'm like, man, he doesn't have a ceiling. I guess we might learn something about a ceiling against Florida State, though. And I realized Florida That's State right. very you banged don't have up. have a ceiling. No, like, I realized Florida State is very banged up right now on, on defense. And, you know, what we what I talked about in the preview that I wrote, I think, on Friday, was that, you know, basically, you know, turnovers would, would tell us a story here. And uh, But the main thing was Florida State's defensive line against Louisville's offensive line. If Florida State could control the line of scrimmage, <clears throat> then they could hang around for a little bit. They had no control over the line of scrimmage. I mean, never mind Lamar Jackson. Brandon Ratcliffe had 14 carries for 118 yards. He could have, if they needed him, he could have ended up just carrying and carrying for 200 yards yesterday. 
Um, and, and I mean, he wasn't getting touched until two or three yards downfield minimum. Uh, and then he was doing nasty things when he was in the open field. Like their offensive line was almost as impressive to me as Lamar Jackson was. And Lamar Jackson was ridiculous. I mean, 20 passes for 216 yards, 17 carries for 146, five total touchdowns. Um, yeah, no, we still have no idea what his ceiling is. And they just played a team that I, you know, until the injuries, I was getting wary on Florida State because of all the injuries. Um, but until then, it really, I mean, I, I trusted them uh, more than just about any team in the country not named Alabama, and uh, Louisville just shredded them. Congrats to Florida State. You toted an ass whooping, which is what you do with Jimbo Fisher like once every three years, and now the basement for this terrible rebuilding year is probably probably nine, but more likely ten wins. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, I was, that game was, that game told me so much more. But it was like Florida State's one over Ole Miss that told me a lot more about Florida State. Uh, this game taught me a lot more about Louisville. They just um, Florida State had no answers. They're dinged up. They're injured. They're still probably going to be a double-digit win team yeah, this year. Number okay. seven, Oklahoma. We yeah. can couch it for a second because we're going to get there. Number six, Clemson. Um, all things considered, call it the Godfrey bump because I was on campus this week, and I'm going to take as much credit as I can. I hope for them beating South Carolina State. Absolutely. Um, no, not uh, honestly not – I don't really ever argue with your rankings. This feels right for Clemson. We still don't know. Um, I can't even go back, and I know we did the box score on on the midweek show, but I don't even really want to revisit everything at South Carolina State. Um, so let, we'll just we'll park Clemson. You feel good parking Clemson for now? We'll just freeze yeah, they them. Fell, they fell from second to sixth this week, basically because they stunk in week two, and, and again the projections dropped them a little bit. So um, or they were holding them up and phasing out the projections dropped them. But anyway, yeah, six, great. Number five, my best team in the country. This is the yeah. team that I think should, which should be number one uh, if we started the playoff tomorrow, which would be a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> they beat the number seven team in the country, Oklahoma. Talk about them Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, there's a lot of weird anxiety around a lot of Ohio State people, um, even our own guys over at Land Grant. Um, and I felt this is the first time I felt good about predicting a big ranked-on-ranked game in a while, but this is just a, an all-around better, calmer, cohesive Ohio State team. And guess what? They're eerily reminiscent of 2014 because yeah. they're they're a little too young to be this good, and no one was paying attention until it was too late. Uh, sorry, right. I mean, they basically, I, I, I think I said this after they beat Bowling Green by a million points. Like, we don't know for sure. Still a young team. Might be another killing machine. And it really does seem like if they can, uh, you know, they, it was like after they lost Virginia Tech two years ago where they just relaxed and started murdering people. This is uh, this is the same show, and you've got the same quarterback running the show. I was also, really, uh, you know, the fact that, J- that JT Barrett was almost flawless. You never, uh, Barrett has had such a confusing couple of years. Like most of the time he has been awesome. But against Virginia Tech, last year against Michigan State, he was hesitant. He was uh very, very tentative um, to the point where last year they were afraid to call a passing play for him. And, um, that, you know, and then he just goes out and, and he, he was efficient as hell yesterday. Uh, they ran the ball. I was really curious because OU seemed to have a pretty good run defense. And uh, Mike Weber, 18 carries, 123 yards. Uh, Curtis Samuel, 11 for 98. Seemed like they might have done okay there. This is going to be the, the Ohio State team that we kick ourselves about again. I don't understand it. Well, the same JT Barrett that has have a is he perfect? No, 
did he probably deserve to get bumped around the depth chart with the Miller Cardell thing? Uh, yeah, I'm fine with that. This is still JT Barrett. He still has game experience. He's still highly talented. He was uh, let's see 14 at 20 for 152, but he had four touchdown passes. Are are we not going to look back at this Ohio State team and go, oh well, they had actually a really talented, experienced returning quarterback? And, I, I'm still and they're a ruthless, ghoulish, evil recruiting machine that just constantly just hoovers up talent from from across the country. I'm still worried. I mean, I think I said this before on this show. Like, I'm still a little worried about their inexperience just because what that will do is randomly bite them. Um, and if it, you know, if they if they lay an egg against like you know Maryland, they're okay. Probably your Rutgers, they're okay. Um, but if they lay it again, again against like a Michigan State, they really this could be one of those teams that ends up like third in my rankings and was a ruthless killing machine, but went eleven and one and missed out on the Big Ten title game. So I'm still worried about the youth. But what we've seen so far, that that's purely you know based on you know things that I can see on paper. What we've seen so far, just from the team itself, has been uh, ridiculous. I'm just uh, look. We're, uh, let's call it a pivot point as one of my favorite cliches. It's five minutes, by the way. We got five minutes. We're going to make it. September is almost over. We can still talk about how stupid some projections were in the preseason, or at least just the amount of attention that a certain team got to. We're going to get to in a second. Ohio State, real, real good. Number four, Washington. Freeze them. Couch it. But, gosh, I I'm so interested. I just yeah. don't know yet. I'm going to be on the West Coast for a story for SB Nation. That's all I can say. I'm embedded. It's embargoed right now. I'm really excited about it. it that's where I'm going to be next weekend. I want to go see, I want to go see Washington practice, and I hate watching teams practice. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, they've, they've played nobody so far, obviously that's, uh, you know, they, they have these top project, this top level projection. Uh, but here's the thing, like Rutgers is bad, but they beat Rutgers by 35 and it could have been worse if they wanted it to Idaho is bad, but they beat Idaho by 49 uh, by 45 and it could have been worse. They cruised 28, nothing at halftime against Portland state and could have been a lot worse than 41, three. They have done exactly everything they've needed to do so far. And I know the joke is that eventually they'll crumble because they're Washington Maybe, yeah. Um, but I mean, number I, I, three. They, number I, three. I'm cutting I, you off. I, I'm playing I, you I, off. I I, 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 trust them so far. Me too. Number until, three. Until they lose that organ. Anyway, I, think, I, I know what you're stalling on number three. Bill, explain yourself. Louisiana State. Uh, a, they were projected very, very high in the preseason, and that's still half the rating. B, uh, they looked pretty good yesterday. Uh, right. They, they tried to blow it. They, 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 they thought about uh, blowing it after looking good most of the time, but um, just from a pure, like, on-paper numbers standpoint, they backed themselves up for at least one week. Mississippi State's – I still say Mississippi State's not bad. They destroyed that Mississippi State offense. Um, you know, Nick Fitzgerald averaged three and a half yards per pass attempt, and uh, Danny Etlin averaged 7.2. And, per don't baby or per right. do it. That's right. And Fournette cruised in at, at five point three yards per carry, and uh, they they looked exactly like they were supposed to look for a week. Now they got to do it again and again and again. But for now, I can justify it. Number two, Alabama defeated number eleven, Ole Miss. Bill, you were out of pocket because you were at uh, Georgia, Missouri, a painful game, no doubt. But let me fill you in real fast. This was the game where we learned about Ole Miss, not so much about Alabama. Chad Kelly, crippling turnovers, especially late, throwing uh, probably, we probably got an early Piesman winner. Um, Ole Miss, I'm starting to think it's less about coaching adjustments or the lack thereof in the second half, as I've always been critical of the acumen on that sideline, and more about exhausting themselves. It may, well, be, that- it may be the rare occasion where you do start looking at time of possession and just thinking about this is still Ole Miss, which is high-level recruiting at the top, very, very thin, watery nougat at the twos and threes. They're well, burning and, themselves out. 
Yeah, the thing here is, um, and you'll get all these box scores and stuff pretty soon. We've been uh, working a good portion of the day on trying to get all this cranked out. But um, the box score, my box score that you'll see for this game, very telling. Rushing success rate, Alabama 60%, Ole Miss 14%. Um, passing down success rate, Alabama 35%, Ole Miss 15%. They threw the ball well on standard downs when they were in control. I mean, they were absurd. Like, Chad Kelly on standard downs was 15 for 18 for 297. That's crazy against Alabama, even on standard downs. Passing downs, 4 for 12 for 58 in an interception. Um, so he just, they, they just, that's there. They are, I don't, maybe it's a depth thing. Maybe it's just that they have an awesome plan a and no plan B and that's, you can't adjust when you don't have, when you can't run the ball, when you can only do like one really, one thing really well on offense. Uh, it's hard to make adjustments because you don't have any. If there was another even contender to be considered a premier team in the Southeastern conference, I would say this is the 10 and two year for Alabama regular season. But I don't know who rises up and challenges them. I do start to see the things that Nick Saban sees when you watch this game. When you watch this team play another talented team, you start to see why he's a little huffy right now. It's just not. It's just not the kind of consistency on defense, especially that we're used to from them. But we also have gotten into the habit of saying that kind of stuff, like well, before Halloween, they, and then I think they've been really consistent on defense against teams that don't throw deep, like Ole Miss throws deep. Um, well, I, yeah, like even late against Western Kentucky, like we all laughed about. I, I, I think I get based on I know like I know a little bit about that kind of offense that Brom runs, and I think that there were probably four or five specific plays that bothered Saban in an otherwise sea of dominance against an inferior team, talent wise. I'm starting to see it, which terrifies me. Number one, Bill. What the hell? <laughs> the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, they were projected very high, and uh, what have they done to even make you think that they're not a top-five team so far, other than we have this memory of last year, and uh, it's a strong memory, and uh, it could happen again, but if you look specifically at you know their whole season last year... Oh, 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 the timer's off. Okay, so... Go! Uh, One minute overtime, go! Okay, yeah, so um, they, they beat Hawaii and Central Florida 114-17. to 17. Uh, They took on... Uh, Big, heavy blow from Colorado the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game uh, and then kind of won by, what, 17, I think? 45-28. Yeah, so, and Colorado might actually not be terrible. So, I, 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 you know, I would still have Alabama number one. But when you were projected that high and you've played like a top five team, you're going to rank really well. Alabama's offense has been a little on the inconsistent side. Um, I think they took a big step forward on, on Saturday in that regard. But no, I mean, I can, I can, I understand why they're number one. I don't think they'll be number one for very long. Uh, I think Alabama will pass them, but um, no, I'm, I'm good. Michigan won the game. Colorado won the depth chart. Damn it, go Buffs! Official team of SB Nation. Bill, it's, it's so easy to be cynical, like to play cynical, and and, and you know, just kind of. Colorado had fun this week. Uh, you know, with the depth chart and everything they did with wearing the jerseys that they wore when Cordell Stewart, uh, you know, completed the Hail Mary. Uh, they had a lot of fun this week, and then they came out and gave a good showing of themselves. So power to you, Bob. That's all you can ask for in college football. I had a ton of fun this week. Bill, we'll talk about your woes on Saturday night. Otherwise, it was an amazing week three. Looking looking forward to a workmanlike week four. Let's call it that. Bill, I'll see you on Wednesday. Yeah, we can, t- we can preview Mizzou-Delaware State on Wednesday if you want. Ugh, no, I'll see you in a couple days.